Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. Bill Arnold is uh, my name, and we're going to have a wonderful hour today with Jonathan Parnell. He's in the studio. We're going to talk about his new book, Mercy for Today, a daily prayer from Psalm 51. And I look at Psalm 51, and this may be one of the clearest examples of repentance in all of Scripture. And there's so many broken sinners who have found in the words of Psalm 51 the perfect expression of their most deeply felt need for God's mercy. And I think we are all in a position to want God's mercy and to want more of it. And we're going to find out all about it today from Jonathan. He's um, written this new book, and I'm quite excited about it. It's a beautiful little book that is uh, out now, and it is, again, called Mercy for Today. Um, Looking forward to uh, bringing him onto the show. I'm just going to take a 60-second break. just to let you know, Jonathan is a lead pastor at Cities Church right here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and his wife, Melissa, uh, they have seven kids. And you may recognize him from the show because I've had him on talking about his book, Never Settle for Normal, The Proven Path to Significance and Happiness. And he's also the co-editor of Designed for Joy, How the Gospel Impacts Men and Women, Identity and Practice and the uh, author also of How to Stay Christian in Seminary. So we're going to have a great time talking about Psalm 51 today. So grab your Bibles or your app on your phone, boot up Psalm 51, and let's get at it. We'll be back in 60 seconds. If you dream of becoming a published author, take the next step to make your dream a reality. Meet one-on-one with a publisher, literary agent, or published author to get valuable feedback and advice about your writing at the 2020 Northwestern Christian Writers Conference, July 24th and 25th. Tickets are on sale now, and for the month of January, get 20% off the full ticket price. Find out more and register online today at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. Declaring Truth. Praising God. Radio. I wonder if you're feeling distant or maybe a little guilt or you just don't feel very close to God. Maybe it's affecting your relationship with Him. I almost promise that Psalm 51 is a great place to go to uh, to remove that thought you're having. And we're going to talk today to Jonathan Parnell. He's here in my studio. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Good, little, to, be, good little, to be here. A little update on the back and the family. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, and make that announcement. Yeah, so eight kids expecting our eighth in April. So. Yeah, so seven so far. Seven and then eight on the way. Eight on the way in April. Yeah. Well, you're going to have a Great. busy spring. <laughs> 
Indeed. That's fantastic. And your oldest is a boy who's 12? A girl at 12. A girl who's 12. And yep. there's going to be four and four. Cause four and four. Four girls, four boys. There's a girl on the way. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We're excited. fantastic. We're all big smiles in the studio right now. That's just exciting. Because you look uh, 26, so I don't even know how you do it. So <laughs> anyway, we're awfully uh, excited about your new book, Mercy for Today. And uh, you can't make it without God's mercy, can you? You can't. No, I'm, I'm eager to talk about it. The Good. Let's get started. Amen. Yeah. So we, we need God's mercy in more than just dark and shameful moments, don't we? We do. And I think uh, oftentimes the way Psalm 51 has been thought about and been used, it's kind of been that Psalm you go to. You, you, it's kind of a last resort Psalm, mm-hmm. the one that you kind of kind of hang on to uh, for when you, you have moments of intense failure and uh, and go to it, maybe in those those dark moments of shame. But I've found that Psalm 51, actually, um, because it is about the mercy of God and because we need the mercy of God every day, uh, this is a psalm uh, in the four petitions that I pray every day. That these are four petitions that I think are useful all the time in every moment mm-hmm. of life. Well, I'm just looking at the first verse. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Yikes. Thing starts out with a bang, doesn't it? It does. If most people know the context of this psalm, that's part of the reason why I think we, it's been easy for, for, for Christians over the years to create some distance between themselves and the psalm. We know uh, the story of David in 1 Samuel 11, 1 Samuel 12 with his, his sin with Bathsheba. And it is one of the darkest moments in Scripture. It is a, it is a shameful episode in the Bible storyline. And because of, uh, of David's sin and we see him praying praying this prayer, at least the way I've, I've thought of Psalm 51, it's been one of those things where I, I, I've kind of hoped I wouldn't ever need this prayer, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we don't only pray for mercy at times when we mess up, right? I mean, we want to be praying for mercy every day, That's don't right. we? And I, Even I when think, we're having good days. Exactly. And so the, the, the truth behind Psalm 51, and that, you know, that's what I, I always try to come back to, and this is the, the prayer here, this is what's been most helpful for me, is it, it really snaps us back to the reality that God is merciful, like period. He is a merciful God. He is a God who has revealed himself as one who is gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And it's really because of that, first and foremost, that repentance is possible, that we can come to God expecting for him to show us mercy if we seek his mercy. And that's the promise, that's the reality, the promise that's behind Psalm 51. So you suggest that we should be going and asking God for mercy as regular as we are asking God for our daily bread. Yeah, I love that, just so you know. Yeah. Adopt that instantly. Man, well, that the you know this the book really is a it's meant to be a prayer that people can pick up and, and pray daily. It's a daily prayer from Psalm fifty one, and the, the whole psalm is, is nineteen verses. But there are four petitions in particular that I've I've found very useful. I've been praying these these same four petitions um, really every day for the last several years, five or six years. Been praying these petitions. Let's and, go slow with these because I want to absorb yeah. these. I want these so, to saturate in. Yeah, the the first one's in verse 15. So it's, it's verse 15, then verses 10, 11, and 12. And and the first one, I open, it's, it's, oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. And I think that first petition is really the one that puts all the others in perspective. No kidding. It's this, uh, the, way I, the way I summarize it is, uh, God, let me get in on your praise. 
And that's every day we wake up, every morning we wake up, and the truth that we're waking up to is that God is God apart from us. God doesn't need me to be awake and recognize (laughs) him as God to be God. He Mm -hmm. is God all the time, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and and you wake up knowing that's true, knowing that actually um, because God has got outside of us, apart from us, he also is a God who is praised apart from us. Like all of creation is, is praising God. All the angelic beings exist who ceaselessly praise God. The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19. And so knowing that that is taking place right now, every morning when I wake up, the question for me is, okay, am I going to get in on that? Mm. Knowing God has got apart from me, God is going to be praised apart from my praising him. But God, I, I want to participate. So what you're saying is it is there and the question you're asking is, am I going to get in on that today? Exactly. I love that. Because it's there, right? It's there. Yeah. He doesn't need me. No, he doesn't. No. And, and so the, is, is to wake up in this first petition is, is God, let me, you, you're praised apart from me. You don't need me to be praised. But would you let me get in on your praise? Would you, would you open my eyes and let me join now the chorus of all creation that is bringing glory to your name, that is praising you. And that's, I, I feel like that's the, the, the right first step. Uh, whatever comes today, whatever happens, um, I want to join the chorus of God's praise. Yeah. Jonathan, how might the world be different if Christians got up every morning and said, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise? What kind of a different world might we be living in if yeah, that I mean, was what per- we had on our hearts every morning? Yeah, it's perspective. I mean, it, it is. It's it, it puts things in perspective for us. And I think with that, there comes a freedom. There comes a joy, um, a change personally, I think, which is which what the other petitions are about. I mean, the, the, that first petition is let me get in on your praise. And then the second one in verse 10 is this prayer, change me, God, from the inside out. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Um, and that's that's recognizing that of all the challenges that we face, uh, the most, really the, 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 the main challenge that we, we face is ourselves, our own hearts oh, yeah. that need to be transformed. So asking God to do that. And the, the, the third petition I pray is there in verse 11. I think that's the most desperate, the most earnest petition. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And David is asking here, don't leave me, God. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes, whatever happens, please don't leave me. To pray uh, for God's presence. And then verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with the willing spirit. The daily prayer for renewed joy, restore joy in God. Um, and that's, I mean, those are the three things that, the themes I are, you know, praise, change, presence, joy. Let me get in on your praise, change me from the inside out. Please don't leave me. Give me joy again. Um, I commend those four petitions as a daily prayer. Okay, I gotta write these down because I'm kind of a slow learner. Uh, praise. What were the four again? Praise, change, change, presence, mm-hmm. and joy. Joy. Okay. And those are the four themes that we see in Psalm 51 here. Let me get that tattooed today <laughs> when I leave here. All right, let me take a little break. Jonathan Parnell is my guest, and we're talking about uh, Psalm 51. And if it's not a psalm that you're familiar with. You're going to want to get familiar with it. And if you have a question or you'd like to have anything clarified that we're talking about, let us know what it is. You can uh, text us at 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. 
is your name from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same you are my god and all i want to do is praise your name i praise your name we're back with jonathan parnell he's the lead pastor of city's church here in the minneapolis st paul area and he has uh, written a great little book called Mercy for Today, A Daily Prayer from Psalm 51. And I'm just taking notes as fast as I can. And the four things that we just talked about before the break were praise, change, presence, and joy. And uh, Jonathan, I'm looking at verse 10. And obviously it says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And because we're born as sinners. We obviously naturally want to please ourselves rather than God because that's how we're born. So I would get the idea that we need a daily renewal of our of our heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. That's every day, isn't it? That's every day, yeah. exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, that answers my question. <laughs> yeah, it's every day. And it's, and it's asking God to do what really only He can do. Like we, we can't renew our hearts ourselves. We can't create a new heart within us. But so, so we ask God to do that. We ask God to use his power, uh, which is, you know, to ask him to do that is a resignation of our own power. It is a looking away from our own strength, looking to God's strength. Mm-hmm. That's all there in verse 10. So when we start to delve into the sin that, that David had um, really against Bathsheba and Uriah, but it really, he sinned against God. Um, so let's talk about David's situation in this, in his cry. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think the narrative there in, in 1 Samuel makes it clear that I think David's first mistake, his first sin is is he's not functioning as he should as a king. He's not on the battlefield where typically kings are mm-hmm. this time of the year. Instead, he's on the rooftop of his palace and he's, uh, you know, Kind of wasting his time, I think. I think he can not not to over not to overdo um, that part of, of scripture, but we do have the context that the, the narrative sets up the context here, and we see that David has, is at a he should not be where he is. He's out of place, um, and and he's not fulfilling God's calling on him uh, to be the king of Israel as he should be. And uh, I think that's the the first thing we see. He's he's already. Wrong place. He yeah. should not be doing what he's doing. Right. So this is a really a, a very desperate prayer that he is praying. I think it's. I mean, it's a gruesome. I mean, it, it comes from a gruesome context. Um, you know, when it comes to the sin of David, and we should. He doesn't get a pass because he's David. I mean, this is <laughs> this is sin. This is this is gruesome, terrible sin, and we should be as angered. Um, and, and furious about this sin as we would be if this were to happen today with anyone that we would know or recognize. I mean, this is an awful thing that he's done, um, which is what makes his repentance in one sense, uh, in God's mercy, it makes it scandalous. It makes it hard to swallow that David, who, ha- having done what he has done, um, that he could be forgiven by God. We, we actually see, I, I think, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, there's a a similarity between the fall of David here and also the fall of Adam in Genesis three, and it's seen in these two these verbs of of seeing, of recognizing uh, that it's beautiful and good, and then taking. Uh, we see that in in the garden when it comes to Adam and Eve and and the fruit, um, they saw that the tree was good or beautiful is the word in Hebrew, and they took it. That's the same words that are used for. For, for David mm-hmm. in First Samuel, he he saw Bathsheba, uh, he considered her beautiful, good, and then he took her, um, which is I mean the 
I call it a, uh, a verbal cocktail you just can't ignore. I mean, right. it's, it, it's just so similar to what we see in Genesis 3. So it is set up, I think, David is, in one sense, repeating the fall of Adam. He is a son of Adam who is sinning uh, just like Adam did. It is a fall story. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, when we talk about David being a man after God's own heart, does that mean that because uh, that his sin broke his heart, that that made him a man after God's own heart? Yeah, I think I think David, indeed, he is a model of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things we see in, in all Old Testament saints, it's not perfection. They were they were sinners, but it's it's the way they repent. It's the way that they come to God, um, acknowledging their sin, turning from their sin, and trusting in God's mercy. And in that way, David, as an example of faith, he is an example for us in how he seeks mercy. I think most people, when they see what David has done here, I mean, this is how I thought about this psalm. It's like, if God can forgive David, I mean, he can forgive me, right? Because right. most people, they think, oh, right. if David can be forgiven, yeah. then I can be forgiven. And I think, that's, I think that's right. I think that's the point, is that we should see the mercy that God has for David. He, that's, that's mercy for me. God has mercy for me, no, no matter where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. no matter what I've done. I can come to this God who is merciful, and I can expect mercy if I turn from my sin and trust in him. Mm -hmm. When I look at verse 12, Jonathan, it says, Restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. Uh, What about the listener right now that feels kind of stagnant in their faith? And they feel like maybe they're just going through the motions. And maybe maybe their sin has driven a little wedge between their intimacy with God. Yeah, I think... The first thing to recognize is that uh, God does call us to live in joy. Um, that is, uh, you know, the, the Christian life is meant to be a life of joy, to be forgiven from your sins, to be brought into fellowship with God. Uh, it should be characterized by, by joy. Now, what, what happens when we don't feel joy? Well, first we should know that it's not right that we don't feel joy. And so we want to seek this thing that we're missing. Um, we don't. We we typically don't. If we don't miss things, we don't seek them. You know. If we. So I think the first first thing to recognize is not okay not to have joy. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have suffering. Suffering is part of life. It's certainly part of the Christian life. But even in the midst of suffering, there can be this this undercurrent of joy, this foundation of joy that comes in God and God alone. So I think the first thing you recognize that and then know that we can ask God for it. We can ask God to restore to us this joy that he's called us to. And that's, and that's something that I think, um, you know, it's not a one and done thing. It yeah. is a thing that we're asking and seeking every day that God would help us to live beneath his smile, that we would live in the joy that he has given to us in Jesus, in the gospel. So when I look at verse 13, Jonathan, it says, then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. It sounds like if there's this restoration and you've, you've had God forgive your sins and restore your relationship, it sounds like the, the default response would be to want to reach out to others who need this forgiveness and this reconciliation. That's right. Just go tell it on the mountain. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. It's yeah, exactly you right. cut to the chase. I'm trying to say all these words and you just say, go yeah, tell it it's, to the no, mountain. No, we yeah. should sing that. It's, <laughs> I think that's exactly right. Is when we experience the joy of God um, in the gospel that we have, we've been brought into fellowship with God, our creator, and we have this, this joy that he's called us to, that's a joy that's inviting. We, we say, come, welcome, mm-hmm. come, come experience this joy that, that we've found in God. Um, it's, it's something where, you know, it, 
it's a double joy. The more the more people we draw into this joy with us, the more it compounds the joy that we experience. Um, and so I think certainly um, to to imagine this in the context of the of the Christian community of the church um, of this compounding joy, the more and more people get welcomed into it. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, when you have felt God's forgiveness, um, you, you should have then a greater desire to go tell others about it. Uh, but you know, maybe mention what it's like when. Like you grew up in a Christian family and probably came to faith when you were eight. Yeah. You know, so um, you you felt God's forgiveness, but, you know, not like the kind of forgiveness David would have felt, right? Yeah, I think, but reflecting on uh, your own story yeah. and God's mercy to you, I mean, it is a great catalyst to, to I think, telling others about this mercy and, and, and in a way that, I mean, for me to to think about, I've I've told you, before, you know, my story of growing up in a Christian home, and and I think coming to Christ at around the age of eight, and then having when I was fifteen, kind of a a reawakening, and then when I was eighteen, I had another reawakening, and, and it's just you know, all throughout my life, there have been these moments when God has just made Himself known, He's just shown Himself gracious. And it's been mercy. It's all been mercy. Mm-hmm. You know, part, one of the things I do in this book, which um, my mom and dad always wish I would, I would tell this story more um, because they had a perspective I didn't have. But when I was 18 or 17, I got into a car accident and uh, I almost died. Like the Lord sustained my life. And um, for them, you know, it was one of those things. They, they, they got to the emergency room and the chaplain met them outside. I had two, I sustained two small tears in my brain and uh, it was, it was not looking good. It was one of those, those moments where, uh, the doctors said, we don't know what's going to happen. There's a fork in the road here, mm-hmm. and it's going to go one of two ways. And uh, people were praying, and in God's mercy, <laughs> in his mercy, he healed me. And uh, and so to, to, to have an, a moment like that, and we have all kinds of things like this that we can look and see, mercy made the difference here. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, what did I, you know? I was so vulnerable. I was so alone and God in his mercy came and mercy made the difference. And so that's my story. Like I can look back in my Bible. I have this, you know, my kid, I show my kids this all the time. This is the, this is the car that, that I totaled when I was 17. And I look at this thing. I should have died in that car accident. Um, but I didn't because of mercy. Mm, So my whole life is mercy, you know? And I think everyone has that story. If they think the, if they think about their story hard enough, there are these moments where, yeah, mercy made the difference. That is a mercy story. And thanks for telling it. And your parents are wise to encourage you to tell it more often. <laughs> That's an amazing picture. I'm sorry my listeners can't see it, but it's a, a very crumpled car. Take my word for it. Jonathan Parnell is my guest. He is chatting about his book, Mercy for Today, A Daily Prayer from Psalm 51. We are in Psalm 51 and loving it. So get your Bibles out. Make sure Psalm 51 is open. Let us know if you have a question or comment you'd like to make, 877-93-FAITH, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and be right back. Middays with Susie Larson on Faith Radio. Tell it on the mountain, over the hill, and everywhere. Go 
tell it on the mountain that Jesus is born. Tell it interrupt that, but I guess I better. Jonathan Parnell's in studio. We're talking about his book, Mercy for Today, a daily prayer from Psalm 51. And Jonathan, when we talk about, you know, God wants a, a, a repentant heart, so we can't we can't please God with our outward actions because He's concerned about our heart, right? We see that absolutely. Yes, in the story of David. Yep. Yeah. So the question is: Are you sorry for your sin, and do you genuinely intend to stop this behavior? Yeah, I mean, repentance is uh, is turning from sin. Yes. You know, it's not simple sorrow for having gotten caught. Right. <laughs> you know, or, or it's, it is a, it is a a turning from sin. So let's talk about uh, the the spirit of repentance versus just simply trying to defend your behavior because there's a difference. Yeah, and I, I think to we see that in Psalm 51. I mean, not not only is it part of verse 10, it's implied there with you know, David asking God to create him a clean heart. I mean, mm-hmm. change me from the inside out. But you see it in verse 6. Um, behold, you light, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. You know from the story of David when he was chosen uh, from among Jesse's sons. Mm-hmm. All his brothers were much more like Saul. Yeah. That's the idea. They're, they were tall and strong. And, and David was just this little kid, this little runt kid out mm-hmm. keeping the sheep, you know, the little one. Yeah. The Eton. That's the great little Hebrew where he's, just, he's the insignificant, the nobody. Yeah. And, uh, and he comes, and, and the explanation is God looks at the heart. He doesn't see as man sees. God sees the heart. And that's, you know, we should recognize that's not a, that's not a new thing in Scripture. I mean, it's always been the case. Even right now, in our, our, we're, going, we're preaching through the book of Exodus at, at our church, and uh, in Exodus 20 now, doing the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments um, were always about the heart. I mean, God was never giving the Ten Commandments, expecting for, you know, only external obedience. In fact, that was the problem of the Pharisees that Jesus corrects um, in in the teachings of Jesus. You know, the issue is that the, the Pharisees had tried to reduce the commandments down to these external observances, and Jesus says, "No, it's deeper than that, and it's always been deeper than that." So God has always been about the heart, and that's something that you see really clearly in Psalm fifty-one. Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, how can we develop this softness of heart that we? Are talking about that can lead us to repentant repentance and to make us repent. Yeah, my because hard hearts don't repent. Yeah, I, I think daily prayer. I think it is a it is knowing that God is merciful first and foremost. He is a merciful God, and that we can seek Him for mercy by asking for it. That we need to do that. I mean, Lamentations three is is you know a great reminder that God's mercies are new every morning, and so it's an often quoted uh, verse of scripture. Um, but what do we do with that? Well, we we need mercy new every morning. That's the point. That's why yeah. it's new. We need it, and and to walk uh, into each day knowing that, asking for that, uh, expecting that from God who is merciful, um, and praying that you know as a pattern, as a rhythm. Uh, people have different routines, and and I would commend uh, a short, memorable prayer um, as a great routine. I mean, Jesus teaches us to pray this way in Matthew six. I mean, part of the the, the, the Lord's prayer is. I think Jesus is commending, clarifying, simple, memorable ways of prayer. Um, not, not vain repetition, but that we would have a pattern, a shaping a pattern uh, for how we think about God and how we come to God 
uh, seeking mercy. Mm-hmm. Now, we've said the word mercy a lot, a lot today. So let's maybe just go back to square one and say, let's define mercy. Yeah, define mercy. Mercy is the the kindness of God. It's the compassion of God, the goodness of God. I think one of the, one of the things that I found just so beautiful in the Gospels, in the, in the Gospel of Luke uh, especially, is the way that mercy is defined is actually through images. Uh, it's through metaphors, it's through pictures. And so you see it uh, very clearly, and this is how the words used. I mean, the word used in, in Luke 1 is the tender mercy of God. It's this, this image of the, the mercy from the inward parts. It's like mercy from the heart of God. And you see it show up again in Luke chapter 10 with the story of the Good Samaritan, where the, the man is left beaten half dead. And, uh, and, and look, look who shows mercy. It's the man who restores him, who picks him up. And gets them back to health. And you see the same thing in, in Luke 15 with the story of the prodigal son. Um, what, what is it called? Uh, this son who has forsaken his father and, and uh, estranged himself and, and, and wandered away. It's called mercy when he comes back. That's, those, are, those are the images that we have. What is mercy? Mercy is a man left half dead who's restored back to life. Mercy is a son who has every right to be completely rejected by his father, but who was received and accepted by grace, by mercy. I mean, that's what it is. Um, and so I, the way I think to define it is to look at the pictures, look at the images that Jesus gives us in his teachings. And I think that fills out for us, what, what is this kindness of God, the mercy of God, um, the compassion of God? Um, that's, that's mercy. Yeah. Jonathan, can you talk a little bit about uh, the difference between mercy and grace? I remember having an illustration once where I used uh, from the movie Les Miserables where you remember when Jean Valjean uh, assaults the bishop and steals the silver and they catch him, right? Do you remember that part of the story? Take take this too. And the the police bring him back and he said, I'm so mad at you. You forgot to take the candlesticks and Mm -hmm. you forgot this. And, and, And I thought, well, is he offering him grace or mercy? Or both, or what's the difference? Yeah, so this might be kind of an unpopular answer. I, you know, <laughs> I, I've heard it explained before that you know, grace is God uh, giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve, and that, that's catchy. I think that's neat. But I, I think it's. I think they're more synonyms. Honestly, I think the way the Bible speaks about grace and mercy is uh, they're they're descriptions of this same reality in God. Mm-hmm. He is a God of He is a God of kindness. He is a God who who is. Merciful. Now you see grace used um, in a lot in a lot more. I think functional sense, uh, grace is is, is active. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that, and of course, in in, in Paul's epistles, um, this act of grace he calls you know the generosity of, of the churches. Um, and so, but but mercy and grace, I think, are very similar, um, and we use them interchangeably. Um, and I think I think mercy. Be, be, I mean, because we we see it so clearly here in, in Psalm fifty one. I think because maybe I created some distance. Uh, between myself and mercy, because it seemed like mercy is only that thing that you don't really want to need, but you kind of have to, you can't, you can't get, a, get rid of it. You know? right. <laughs> so I think it's humbling to come back to mercy as I need mercy like every mm-hmm. single day. I need yeah. mercy. Um, of course, we need grace too. Mercy <laughs> and grace is all we need at all, you know? Yeah. Um, what about uh, developing a daily discipline and a daily practice of, you know, just taking care of our, our, our need for repentance and mercy and just our everyday soul care that we need. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, we can, they say uh, you can create habits in, what, two weeks? I think, I think so, 21 days, saying. I think yeah. is the key. Um, and heard. so, um, and you, you know, d- we want good habits. Here's the thing. We all have habits. We're creatures of habit. We make habits. Uh, people scroll their iPhones all the time by accident. I don't even mean to do it, you know? Yeah. And so I think we should be intentional, deliberate about the kind of habits that we create and cultivate. And I think uh, prayers are, are great, are great habits to have. Um, and usually, I mean, the easiest way to create a habit is do the same thing in the same context. Again, I'd say two weeks, you know, 14 days in a row, 21 days in a row. Um and that's where that's how this prayer has become almost now second nature for me. Um, and not even just in the morning, but it's one that I can come back to throughout the day, just as a snap back to reality. <laughs> what, you know, when we get caught up in the busyness of of different tasks and to dos, and just okay, what's going on right now? And I come back to Psalm fifty one verse fifteen. That's fantastic. Let me get in on your praise. Yeah. So I'm looking at verse fourteen, just the one above it. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Is that a little quid pro quo there? Yeah, I mean, David, you know, he, he had a, I mean, we know, again, the, the story behind this psalm is pretty gnarly. And David, um, there was a lot of bloodshed. I mean, he was a, a king who had a lot of victories over his enemies. Um, and I think uh, to, to recognize verse 14, I mean, this is where for us, most people are not going to identify with verse 14, you know. I thought uh, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but this, the mercy that God has for David is is the mercy that we also need. What about the guilt of bloodshed that isn't necessarily um, actual blood, but just the the murdering of someone's pr- uh, character, or or you're angry at somebody and you you murder them in your mind? I would think that's the guilt of bloodshed as well. Isn't and, it? Absolutely, and and Jesus would affirm that. You know, it's not you know, the issue is is not murder; it's anger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's what happens before the murder. It yeah. always it's a matter of the heart. I think always trying to come back to that is is important. Yeah, when I when I look at fourteen though, I was always a little bit troubled by that verse, thinking, are are you trying to bargain with God here? Oh yeah, save me from the guilt of bloodshed, the God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. I thought, is is he trying to bargain with God? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a border. I, th- I think it's that's what happens. You know, again, okay. as we talked about the go to on the mountain, once you've received yes. mercy, when you experience uh, the mercy of God, you, you want to invite others in. You want to make it known um, and welcome others into that same mercy, into that joy. 17, it says, the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humbled heart. That verse is flashing off the page. And I think this is important in the Old Testament to, to, to know that, you know, what throughout Israel's worship, and we see this, it, it, their worship degenerates into to being an external thing. That's the problem with the Pharisees. We, we see that. But that wasn't all of Israel. There were saints within Israel who understood what David, I mean, he's an Old Testament believer, I'd say, you know, Mm -hmm. he understands what God wants. It's not external obedience. It's not going through the motions, but he does want the heart. Um, And that broken, contrite heart is the heart that we know we cannot make ourselves. We need God to do that miracle work, uh, which is what God promises in the new covenant. You know, when the law is written on our hearts, when we do our hearts, our hearts of stone are made hearts of flesh. I mean, that is what conversion is. God is doing this work in us by his Holy Spirit. And I think that's the heart that David is, is talking about here in verse 17. 
Okay, Jonathan, I'm going to keep jumping all over yeah. up and down Psalm 51 because I think everyone who's following this today realizes that uh, if you've got Psalm 51 open, you're going to be catching things here and there. And I look at verse 9 and it says, Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all of my guilt. Do you see a genuine repentance there? Or are you seeing him say, Would you turn your face away? And just blot out my guilt. Where is the, I am really, really sorry. Yeah, I think, I think verse 9 is asking God, don't deal with me according to my sin. Okay. Like, don't, like, when you look at me, don't look at me in my sin, but forgive, look at me as one who's been forgiven, um, which is the promise of the gospel. You know, as we trust in Jesus, uh, God the Father, he looks at us, in Jesus. He doesn't look at us. We're not defined by our sins because those sins have been forgiven. They've been they've been taken away. And so God looks at us and he defines us and he sees us in Jesus, righteous in Jesus. And I think I think we see, you know, pieces of that here in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. Listener Jeff said, repentance is changing your mind about how to be saved. You repent about how to be saved. He heard that years ago. And mercy is withholding punishment that we do deserve and grace is giving us something we don't deserve. Yeah. I think there's all kinds of yeah helpful ways to think about mercy. I think, um, and and how to define it. I think uh, repentance and faith are kind of two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't trust in Jesus without turning from sin. You turn from, you turn to. Um, And so I think every time someone puts their faith in Jesus, it involves repentance. You're turning from repenting from sin and you're putting your faith in Jesus. And that's certainly the way we see the gospel proclaimed in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's repent and believe. I mean, those are the the two sides of the same coin when it comes to the apostolic message of the cross. And that's what we we should ask people to do. We're we're inviting people. when When we invite people to Jesus, we're inviting them to turn from sin and to trust in Jesus. Um, and and that is the mercy of God that they're trusting in, which is made known to us in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, just because there are people just climbing into their car right now, I want to remind them of the four things that you get out of Psalm 51 that you go to daily for. And it's praise, change, presence, and joy. Yeah, that's now, right. I want to go to break in a minute, but can you uh, circle those around again? Yeah, yeah. The four petitions in Psalm 51 that... Uh, form kind of this fourfold prayer uh, is first, uh, let me get in on your praise, God. You're just asking God, let me get in on your praise. The second is, change me from the inside out. The third is, is don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I need your presence. And then the, the fourth is, is just asking God, give me joy again. Um, I want joy. You command us to live in joy. I want to live in joy. So asking God for that joy every day. That's what's on the heart of every listener, I bet, right now. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, more with Jonathan Parnell. His book is Mercy for Today, A Daily Prayer from Psalm 51. This is a book you will love having in your library, on your nightstand, or wherever you have your quiet time in the morning. We'll take a short break. Be right back. My discussion with Jonathan Parnell about his new book, Mercy for Today, a daily prayer from Psalm 51. 
Jonathan is a pastor here in the Twin Cities, and he and his wife have seven kids, the eighth on the way, coming in April. And uh, the nice thing is Jonathan and his wife only have to go to the grocery store four times a day. We we do shit, you know, so I don't know if that's okay to mention that on the air. But, yeah, I know. You, you know, go right okay. ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great thing. That's they just deliver it to your door. It's awesome, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit more about uh, how we need God's presence more than we need his answers. Yeah. Even though we, re- we really want answers. We do want answers. Yeah. And that's, you know, this is one of those things. You may read it, and if you've not gone through a really dark time, uh, just hold on to it because it's, it's one of those things where when we as a church, we went through a rough time, um, some some things happened, some hard things we were struggling through corporately as a body. And the first thing we tend to do in moments of suffering is is we ask the question, why? You know, and that's and that's a good question. That's an OK question. God, God doesn't mind that question. We can ask him why. Um, but ultimately, we need to come to a place. And I think God brings us to a place where what we need more than an explanation is we just need his nearness. Mm-hmm. We just we, we want him close. That's that's the main thing. Um, he I read uh, one author has said, God doesn't give us answers. He only gives us himself. And I like that. Like, yeah, he, he does give us himself. And that's really what we most 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 need. But when we pray and we want a change in our circumstances and then we don't see those circumstances happen, we can feel that God hasn't listened or responded in the way that we have so fervently petitioned. And that can cause some drift. Yeah, and And, I I mean, the Psalms are a great um, example for how to come to God with questions and and questions that can be asked, I mean, with you know, with intensity uh, of, of really seeking, uh, seeking some, some, some guidance. God, give me, help me here. Um, but they're all, they're also done in faith and they have to be done in faith. Um, and we, it's never okay to shake our fist at God. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. That's not poetic. That's not, yeah. uh, that's never okay to shake your fist at God um, or, or to, to charge him with error, to think that he has done something wrong. God never does anything wrong. Um, so knowing all those things, you know, like uh, knowing those things fundamentally, we can't come to him as children, as children do their parents. And we can ask, we can ask him, help us, help us see, help us understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, but coming back to trusting that way and, no, and wanting more than anything, his, his nearness, his presence. All right, Jonathan, I'm on page 93 of your book, and I want to talk about joy because I think everybody is in the market for more joy. And is David asking God for an experience? Is the joy that we seek from verse 12, restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit? Are we trying to understand a reality or are we trying to find an emotion or is it both or neither or what is it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, okay, great. I'd say it is an emotion for okay. sure. I think we, we try sometimes maybe to over-spiritualize this because um, we, we, we want to make, I think, sometimes joy such a broad category that it, we, everyone has it. That's not the case. Like, there's, there, it's, it's such an experience that you cannot experience. That's why David's asking for it. I mean, that's what's going on here. He's like, he has not, he's lost this joy, so he's asking for God to restore it. Um, and so how, how we think about it, we should think of joy in ways that we experience. I, I mean, examples of, you know, Christmas morning, like my kids on Christmas morning is a great example of joy. And whatever that is, that emotion, that, that thing in the air, I think that's the thing that we want to experience 
in our fellowship with God. We want to have joy. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we don't suffer. We do suffer. But there still is an experience of joy that we can have because God is our God, because he has forgiven us, because he has shown us mercy, and we can come and ask him for that. I think that's, I wonder, people who, who struggle, and I, I do, we all have, struggle in, in times of joylessness, how often do we actually ask God for joy? Like, ask him for it. If you don't have joy, ask him. Oh, I love it. Don't we often distrust emotional experiences? I, and, I, and for good reason. Like, I, you know, I, I mentioned in the book, I'm, you know, it, it, is, it is uncomfortable for me to talk about experience. Now, I, I tend to be a, you know, Bible, a Bible-centered Christian and, and, uh, and, and more suspicious Which is sometimes. is a good thing. To experience. If you I wouldn't have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, so we, we do, I think, we, we always have to take our experiences and, and look at them through the lens of Scripture. I mean, they are not determinative or authoritative like the Bible is. Um, but do, they, do, they do matter. So I talk about here, you know, kind of this integrated approach, this third way when it comes to Christian spirituality, which I think is the historic, you know, Christian spirituality, which is an integration of, of truth and experience. That, that truth, it is true outside of us. God has got outside of us. At the same time, like we get to experience him. We get to have fellowship with him. So I think it's holding both of those things together. Um, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing that we don't, well, I should say we don't spend more time simply pondering the spectacular mercy and grace of God that allowed people who are born again to have that truth revealed to them and to be able to receive that truth into their heart. I mean, I was outside last night looking up into the cold night air, looking up into the sky, and I'm thinking, one day I get to go be with the Lord for all of eternity. How is that not the most joyful thing ever? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think being in scripture, reading scripture, breathing that air is the great challenge for every Christian. And, and it doesn't happen. It, you have to be deliberate in order to do it because we, we are taking in so many things throughout the day that do not bring us closer to that, those thoughts, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so I think to, we were just talking about this earlier to immerse ourselves in scripture uh, in the world of Scripture, in the in the uh, the, the thoughts of God, the mm-hmm. ways of God, I think it, it what brings those things uh, into mind more often, which is what we need. So, out of Psalm fifty-one, Jonathan, you talk about praise, change, presence, and joy. Which of those four do you personally struggle with the most? Great question. Uh, I think the first petition, um, praise, is the one that. Uh, that I think I'll say I'll say struggle with the most because okay. I think I think for most I'll speak for myself, but I think when it comes to our prayer life, uh, you know, we uh, and it is a petition. We we are asking God to do something here in verse in verse fifteen, and but we're asking, hey God, let us let me praise you. Um, and I think it is interesting that that we are so bad at praising God. We're so bad at adoration. We're so, we. It's easy for Christians to ask God for more things. I know. But like, when's the last time we just spent 10 minutes just giving God praise? And it, it is a bit of a, it's an interesting to me that we live in 
a country of such affluence and and we're the you know the richest people in the world, right? If you look relatively, and uh, we have so much, so much, and and we we're better asking for more than we are at giving thanks. When you look at everything the scripture teaches about prayer, I think about ninety percent of what it teaches is about praising and adoring God, and about ten percent is regarding petitionary things. And I think we've completely flipped those. Yeah. And I, so I, I would love to to encourage listeners to really try to grow in praise and adoration. Um, to not, it's not a tax on prayer. Don't think like I just got to get my praise sentence in <laughs> so I can get into asking for what I right, asked for. Right. No, like spend some time, like linger in praise, like spend some time adoring God for who He is. And I think we need some help with that. So there are all kinds of little prayer booklets. That, you know, the Valley of Vision is a great one. Others are out there that kind of lead us in thinking about God and in adoring Him and praising Him. And I would absolutely encourage listeners to check those out. Yeah, what a great hour it's been, Jonathan. Thank you so much, and thank you for coming in. And Jonathan Parnell has been my guest. His book is called Mercy for Today, A Daily Prayer from Psalm 51. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back around uh, the time the eighth child is born because I'll want a full update. (laughs) That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much. If you missed any of this hour, I pretty much promise you're going to want to go to MyFaithRadio.com and start it from the beginning. There's lots to learn about mercy for today. Have a great night, everyone. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.